Hey ladies, it's Brittany Brazel. The Lord has given me a passion for motherhood and homemaking. From that passion, a ministry has birthed no higher calling. There is no higher calling on my life than to be wife to Simeon and mama to my littles. I still have so much to learn, but as I continue to grow, it is my desire to share the truths God is teaching me. Hey ladies, welcome to this last Thursday episode of 2021 for the No Higher Calling podcast. Now I will give you a sneak preview. I have one more episode coming out tomorrow, the last day of the year. Um, I It just fell in the calendar in my lineup of episodes that I needed to wrap up my 2021 reading challenge in today's episode. But as much as I love reading and as much as I love sharing all that I've read with you all. I didn't want to end on that for the year. Um, it's been an incredible year, and I just wanted to wrap it up with more just a spiritual challenge and an, some encouragement from God's Word that the Lord's been doing in my heart. So be looking for a bonus episode coming tomorrow. But this is the last Thursday of 2021, and yes, I do need to wrap up my reading challenge with you guys, and share some amazing books. You know, I look back over these past four quarters, and each quarter, I'm like, man, which one was my favorite? But I just, this whole year, I have read some great, great books. Um, Maybe you've kind of listened all the way along and heard each one of the pieces of my reading journey this year, or maybe you're just jumping in right here. Um, Either way, it's totally fine. You will still get some really good book recommendations in here, Um, but if that is your thing, if you love reading and you want more recommendations, if you go back, every quarter I did an episode summarizing what I had read for that quarter. And also in the very first reading episode that I did this year, I believe you can look for that like in March or April, um... I talked about kind of setting a reading goal and how I read so much. So I am finishing the year at reading 50 books. Um, That's kind of mind-blowing to me. I have never read that much. I have always loved reading. It's always been just my hobby, something that I enjoy. Um, But I never imagined that I could possibly read that many books. Um, But it was probably actually two years ago. I've mentioned her on here before, but I listened to the podcast that Jamie Balmay puts out, and her and her husband are avid readers. Um, And she was sharing some books that she had read that year and talking about their reading challenge for the new year. Um, So this was 2019 going into 2020, and I thought, I want to set a goal. I want to set a high goal, and I want to make it happen. And her goal was, like, way higher than mine. I mean, I think it might have been, like, close to 100 books. And I was just like, I don't even know how that's possible. Um, But I set a goal for 2020, and I hit that goal. And I kind of rekindled my love for reading. It's kind of came and gone in different seasons just because of life and busyness. Um, But I, I remembered as I was reading books last year that this is something that I really love and it's something that really helps me in just really my spiritual walk as a lot of the books that I read um, are more devotional type books or, um, you know, books about the Lord or about His Word um, or about our relationship with Him. Actually, I think all of the books that I've read this year are nonfiction books. Um and that may sound boring to you, you know, 
everybody has different genres that they like, but I just, there's been so many different areas of my home that I've been working on. I, you know, I've got motherhood, I've got marriage, I've got homemaking, um, then just different things with this podcast, God Lays Topics on My Heart. And I hear about a book that would really help me as I study and research and dig into God's word. And so then I go read that. So anyway, it's just been a very like more informational book year as I went through these books. But it's been so great. And I've been able to see such marked growth in my own life as I've been really investing this time into reading. Now, a quick recap, and I think I might have done this on all of my reading episodes, but just in case you're just jumping in and you think, how on earth is it possible for her to read 50 books? And maybe maybe you're the Jamie Balmay and you read the 100 books and you're like, 50 is nothing. But I think for the majority of us, especially busy moms, um, it really sounds daunting. Um, and I actually set my goal this year at 40. I just happened to past that by 10, which I'm kind of excited about. Um, But really, I just kind of set the smaller bite-sized goal at the beginning of the year that I was just going to try to read a chapter a day. Now, it didn't always happen. Some days I wouldn't read anything, and then other days I would read five or six chapters. But that was kind of my mental goal. That was my mental tracker. Um, Most of the books that I read range from 10, 12, 15-ish chapters. So even at that, that put me easily at two books, even three books sometimes a month, depending on the chapters, which really put me at 25, 30 books in the year. So that was just kind of an easy bite-sized thing. So if you're thinking about the new year and you want to read more, hey, maybe you're just going to say, I'm just going to read one book. I'm going to sit down and cover to cover, commit to read one book. Or maybe you want to say, no, I do want to read more, and I need to, instead of just giving this lump, big number that feels unattainable, um, you know, sometimes I think like, oh, 40 books isn't that bad when it's January, February, March, but then come October, and I'm like, I've read 10, all of a sudden 40 feels like a lot. Um, But if you just break that down, you know, maybe I have one friend, and she's just going to commit to read for 10 minutes a day, or maybe you want to commit to that chapter a day. So whatever you want to do, but I do love reading. I am kind of nerdy when it comes to this area, and I really, I mean, whether you absolutely love to read or whether it's just kind of a meh thing, um, I would challenge you to read more in this coming year, just, and and good things. You know, I I think we can easily fill our minds with just junk, Um, you know, a Good novels, great. I, I love mystery novels and things like that, but I, I wanted to be careful. There was a time in my life where I gave a lot of time to frivolous things um, or even to things that were not, um, really were not Christ-like. And I've mentioned that here and there in talking about um, just reading Christian romance novels and different things that the Lord really convicted me on you know, what am I investing my time into reading? And obviously I have to throw in here, the most important thing that you can read is God's word. So don't ever let your hobby reading time take away time from reading and investing time spent into God's word. But without further ado, I'm just going to go ahead and jump into giving you um, some reviews for some of the books that I have read in this quarter. Now it's not as many as in the other quarters We've just, well, we've kind of had a lot going on, but I was so sick throughout the fall with this pregnancy, and I just, 
I, it was all I could do to lay on the couch and make sure that my children stayed alive. So I didn't do a lot of reading. Um, and then towards the end of the year, I have felt better and I've been playing catch up on like three months of missed life. And we've been in the middle of holidays. So I've done a lot of audiobooks um, at the end of the year. And that's another thing that I would challenge you to utilize is audiobooks. If you're busy, and you think, I don't have time to sit down and read. Or I've had some moms be like, okay, so I do have the time in the evening to sit down and read, but I'm so tired that I get through one page and I'm falling asleep. Um, so audiobooks are a great way to read content, um, but in a way that you can multitask. Even just recently, I've been listening to audiobooks while wrapping presents or while folding laundry or sometimes in the evening, you know, my husband is working on a few different theology projects and some things that he's been doing a lot of heavy reading, a lot of extra time reading. Um, and yeah, maybe I'm tired and my eyeballs just don't feel like looking at words after a long, busy day with the kids, but he's chilling. He's reading through his books. And so I, there's just last night, I laid in bed beside him and I put in my earbuds and I got a couple chapters down of a new book that I'm listening to. So there, there's just ways to squeeze it into your day, whatever your day looks like. Even if you're not a stay-at-home mom, if you're dropping kids off at school, if you're waiting in car lines or running to music lessons or whatever, it, find little chunks of time, and you would be surprised when you get 15 minutes here, 30 minutes there. Um, it all adds up, and it helps you to get through books. And, you know, I told my husband, the more that I read, the more books I find that are out there that I want to read, and the more I'm like, oh, I just... I want to give more time to this. I want to find those little pockets of time that, you know, I could be surf surfing on social media or doing other time wasters. But instead, I want to maximize the time and I want to invest into myself and into um, just my growth as I try to, you know, pursue my walk with the Lord. Um, or even as I multitask, you know, I could just kind of mindlessly do the dishes or I could pop in an audiobook. Um, so that's just been something that's helped me. And that's another thing with the, with reading the Bible. If you're struggling, um, there's a lot of great audio apps, too, that you can listen to the Bible on. And I actually want to start implementing that with my oldest. She's five. One mom I was talking with said that her child is a little like a year older than Eden is. But um, they're like, we've been trying to teach them about personal devotional time, but they can't quite read. They can't quite do like a devotional or, you know, they can't even quite sit down and read the Bible by themselves. Um, but she was like before, you know, while they're getting ready in their room, they just play a chapter from a Bible app and the, it reads the Bible to them. So I thought that was really cool too, something I want to kind of start incorporating in our home. But I keep getting sidetracked and delaying, so I'm just going to jump right in here. Um, every reading challenge episode that I have done so far is linked with a blog post. So you will find that in the show notes. You can go to nohighercalling.org under blog and you'll find these. So all the books that I'm going to talk about in this episode today are listed over there. Um, you can click on the highlighted title. It'll take you right to Amazon if it's something that you want to purchase, if it's something that you want to add to a wish list of books. If you have a book wish list like I do, mine's a mile long on Amazon, but it helps me like remember like oh that was an intriguing book I'm gonna add it to my wish list and often I'll go back and look through that and I'll find that a book that I've been wanting to read is on sale or something so that's always nice too 
Um, but yes, you might want to look for that blog post if any of these books sounds like, ooh, this is something that I want to check out. So the first book that I read for this quarter, actually, so this one I think was for the last quarter, but somehow it got missed in my blog post. So I'm assuming it was missed in the episode. Anyway, if this is a repeat, if you remember the last reading challenge enough to be like, oh, she's already talked about this book. I'm sorry, but I just want to make sure that I cover it. And that is The Enchanted Hour by Megan Cox Gurdon. So I've read several different books about the importance and the reward and the um, just the what you can glean from reading aloud to children. Um, I've read Read Aloud, uh, Read Aloud Family. Um, I'm trying to think. I've read some by Mem Fox. She's in Australia. Um, just there, I've read quite a few different things uh, on that topic. That's what this was, The Enchanted Hour. Just talking about really investing like an hour of your time, not even an hour, but just the importance of reading aloud to your kids and what that can do to their imaginations, to your relationships. And I wholeheartedly believe in that message. We are a read aloud family. I will say about this book, um, her book recommendations the majority of them were not things that I would allow in our home. Um, some of them promoted sexuality, um, some more dark magic type things. Um, so while the overarching message of her book was good, and there was definitely things that I gleaned from it, um, her book recs were not at all, like I did not jot down hardly anything that I was like, oh, that sounds great. I want to read that to my kids. Whereas other books like The Read Aloud Family or, or be, I think it's called Becoming a Read Aloud Family, um, Sarah McKenzie, um, other books like that, I just had this huge list of like, oh, I want to read this and I want to read that. So just throwing that out there. If that's if you that topic interests you and you want to start somewhere, I would not start with The Enchanted Hour. Let this be kind of several books in into that topic for you. Um, just my personal opinion. So then the next book that I read, Simeon and I actually read this one together, is Pray Big for Your Marriage. So my friend Erin Payne actually recommended this book, and we really enjoyed it. Um, we loved reading through it together. Last year, Simeon and I read Fierce Marriage um, together. We actually listened to that one on audiobook, and that was enjoyable. It was good going through a book like that together and same thing with this one we just took turns one night I'd read a chapter the next night he'd read a chapter and we actually enjoyed it so much that that's becoming part of my reading challenge for next year which I'll share at the end what my reading challenge for 2021 is or I'm sorry 2022 I gotta get used to that but anyway we we did enjoy this book so it talked a lot about in praying big for your marriage it talked about specifically praying scripture over your marriage, over your spouse. And I, I love that. I've read several other books in the past couple years specifically about praying the very words of scripture. So it wasn't like a completely new concept, but it was new in the presentation of praying scripture over your marriage and over your spouse. But it gave Simeon and I some really good talking points, um, really some good prayer challenges individually. Like, it made us stop and think, okay, how do I pray for Simeon? Is it very general or do I get very specific? Do I pray things that are in accordance with God's word? Really, do I pray at all? You know, there, there are some days where I don't, you know, he doesn't even make my prayer list. Um, 
And that was convicting for us. It also was convicting for us to really think about the importance of prayer, the importance of prayer as a couple, and how much time are we investing as a couple in prayer for just, I mean, <laughs> I think we all have an, an endless prayer list, but specifically for our marriage and for one another. Um, so so that was really good. We really enjoyed that. He talked about paying, praying these pinpoint prayers, very specific things, which I, I've mentioned this before. You know, we don't want to pray, God bless my kids, God bless the missionary, God bless my husband. Okay, God bless, what do you mean? Very specific, these pinpoint prayers. You know, hey, I know he's struggling with this. God, help him. Here's a scripture. Do this in his life. Kind of claiming these things as we pray for our spouse. So that was a really good book. We enjoyed that one. The next one that I read is You Are Not Enough and That's Okay by Allie Beth Stuckey. So this is really kind of my first introduction to Allie Beth Stuckey. And then I came to find out that, like, wow, she's really big and has, like, a podcast. And I follow her on Instagram now, and I love seeing some of her content. But the whole book is really just talking about, you know, there's this whole message in our culture that, you know, you're enough, embrace you, be who you were supposed to be, all the self-love, self-cares, I mean, just endless things with self, self, self. Um, but she starts her book with this quote from author David Platt, and he writes, talk about countercultural. In a world where everything revolves around yourself, protect yourself, promote yourself, comfort yourself, and take care of yourself, Jesus says, crucify yourself. Put aside all self-preservation in order to live for God's glorification, no matter what that means for you in the culture around you. And I just, I thought that was so good. We live in such a me-centered society, but Christ says, hey, you're to deny yourself. You're to crucify yourself, take up your cross, and to follow him. Um, and, and so Allie Beth just does a really good job presenting some of the devastating results from this self-consumed, self-love culture. And just saying that, hey, as believers, as followers of Christ, we're to strive to be Christ-like. Our lives are to be all about him, not all about us. That we need to be discerning. We need to differentiate between God's truth and Satan's lies. And I think that is such an important part right there is because culture has so twisted our thinking to where it doesn't line up with the Bible, we're so susceptible to Satan's lies, especially as women. You know, I know the whole, you know, self-care thing, self-love, and while I'm not saying, you know, you don't take care of yourself, I mean, you've got to eat, you've got to exercise, you've got to get sleep just to be able to function to serve within your home, but this whole, like, me-centered focus um, I, I think that's wrong. I think that is directly rooted into Satan's lies, and culture has so painted it as, no, this is how we are to live, but we're, we're seeing the results of such a self-focused culture is leaving people so empty and really with, with nothing fulfilling in their life, and that's because God designed us for us to only be fulfilled through him. So we need to run from these lies, cling to truth. Um, was the book countercultural? Absolutely. But did it present truth that was found in God's word? Yes. And truth is all that matters. Um, so definitely recommend that book. The next book that I read was Raising Grateful Kids in an Entitled World by Kristen Welch. Five stars. So this book was, was really good. It came highly recommended to me. Very thought-provoking. Um, she shared a lot of things that they have implemented in their own family with a lot of success stories. 
but really this just dove into helping your kids to realize <laughs> the importance of gratitude, of thankfulness, of working hard for the things that they get, of the sacrifice that is required, whether by them or by others, for the things that they have. You know, we live in such a society where we feel like I am entitled to a certain standard of living. You know, I know even my age group, you know, so much of the 20s and 30-year-olds now, as they get married, they just assume that a brand new house and a brand new car and, you know, a dazzling wedding and a elaborate honeymoon, all of these things are just things that are standard. Like, I get this because I am launching into adulthood. And I don't, I mean, if you have those things and God's given you those things, by all means, thank him and use those for his glory. But we do kind of have this, I, this mentality that, oh, well, I expect this. Um, so maybe when you have to rent an apartment and have secondhand furniture, um, I'm sitting here thinking about the couches or the couch that is in our living room. It was Simeon's parents for who knows how long, and it's been our couch now for like almost going on eight years. And like all the time, I find foam on the floor falling out of it. And do I want a new couch? Yes. By this point, could we have afforded a new couch? Yes. Um, goodness, I'm going into a whole different story. We're not investing in a lot of furniture because we're going to be moving. So there's that. But all that to say, um, you know, I remember getting married and we had a teeny tiny old little rental house and we loved that place, but it was not the fancy farmhouse, two story, two car garage with brand new car. I mean, we started with meager, meager beginnings, and I did have to struggle through feeling embarrassed or like, oh, I don't want to have people over. Have you seen their place? And and I just think part of that comes out of just this entitlement mentality. Or here I'm sitting there like, okay, so I have a brother, and he's 14. And, you know, in his mind, like, he he should have a cell phone. He should have... You know, I could just I can make a list of the things that he feels, and and I don't I don't mean it in like he's this bratty kid that's like oh I deserve these things, but just because everybody else does, you know, every, all of his friends at school have cell phones and social media accounts, and like I said, the list could go on and on. But because our culture is that way, then we do feel like okay, well I'm kind of entitled to this, and it is such a dangerous place to be. You know, we, we expect to every new, you know, every school year, you know, you want the new name brand clothes, the new name brand backpack, you want a new phone, you want all the new gadgets. And, you know, we just, we have to be careful. We have to help teach our kids that you know, what is important here and that, no, you don't just get this because everybody else is getting it and really teach them the importance of working for things. And, and this goes even, you know, my kids are really little. We can do this to a degree. Some of this goes into as they get a little bit older. But I love some of the ideas that Kristen Welch shared in this book in how you can help your kids to be grateful. And they talk a lot about serving others, investing in others, and exposing their kids to to others who are very needy, whether that be mission trips or helping feed the homeless. I believe there was one Christmas where I think it was the homeless that they reached out to and did like meals and gifts and 
whatever it was, it was definitely a, a very like less fortunate situation. Um, but her kids were not only able to serve, but they were able to see that, okay, well, maybe all the kids that I go to school with have this, this, and this, but all these kids here in Africa where we're on this mission trip for two weeks, they have nothing. You know, they don't even have shoes. And, and just to give them a broader perspective than Western American culture and the entitlement-driven society that we live in. So it just it had a lot of good ideas, a lot of good truths, a lot of things that I am chewing on that I need to continue to chew on as we raise our kids. But I want to raise kids that are hard workers, that work hard for what they get, who are thankful, who are thankful and who are wise stewards of what they have. You know, there's something more that comes out when you've worked hard for something or when you see somebody that you love invest in you and gift you something, I, I want them to have a, a mature, discerning attitude to be able to see the value in that and to be able to be wise stewards of those things. Um, so that was a really good book. I enjoyed that one. Um, let's see. Next one. I Can't Believe You Just Said That by Ginger Hubbard. This, <laughs> this was such a good book. So I actually listened to this on audiobook. This happens to me from time to time. Um, I listen to something on audiobook, and I'm like, why did I ever buy that on Audible? I need a physical copy because I need to highlight and make notes and have this as a very accessible reference. And this was one of those. It's Like I said, it's happened very few times, but Ginger Hubbard's book was one of them. I listened to it, and I was like, wow, every mom needs to read this. And I need to read it like multiple times because it went over exact things that I'm struggling with teaching my children right now in our home. So I did get it on a physical copy. So I have audio and physical. Um, but this book was just so good. And you may have heard of Ginger Hubbard before. Last year I read a book by her, Don't Make Me Count to Three. Um, she has several different motherhood resources out there. But this whole book, I can't believe you just said that, is just packed with biblical wisdom for taming your child's tongue. And I love how she presents it in this book. So she takes it beyond discipline and focusing on the action. So it, she goes through all different sins of the tongue. Um, she goes through like complaining, whining, tattling, manipulating, um, teasing, aggravating, bragging, yelling. I mean, so many different things. But instead of just saying, okay, this is the sin in the child and this is how to punish it, she goes into, okay, told that like that is so surface. Let's get to the root. Let's get to the heart. What is our kid struggling with? Why are why is this action coming out of their heart? What is in their heart that this action is rooted in? And it really gives some things as a parent to help you think through that scripture, to help you think through that. And then also it gives you questions and different things to help your child probe because, okay, tattling is something that we're struggling with in our home. One of our children tattles on the other one a lot. And so we, you know, I can say, stop tattling, stop tattling. Or, you know, we've even gotten to the point where if you're tattling, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. You know, work out your problems between the two of you. Um, but that's not helping them learn how to navigate through this sin in their heart. You know, and so in her chapter on tattling, it was, it was very convicting for me as a mom, but very helpful for me to be like, okay, these are some scripture verses that I can take my child to. These are some talking points, and maybe my child isn't fully thinking through 
oh, well, I'm going to tattle because I want my sibling to get in trouble. You know, but but when you start mining and start peeling back these layers and getting to the heart, and as you sit down and talk with your child and you're saying, do you realize that your tattling often leads your sibling to getting in trouble? Is that what you want? And, you know, we, we're memorizing... Um, Aaron Payne's uh, scripture cards, her ABC scripture scripture cards, and that's been a really helpful tool to pair. As you know, we we just recently learned the verse: "Depart from evil and do good; seek peace and pursue it." And so I'm able to use that Bible language as I try to get into my child's heart and help them navigate through these things. And I'm saying, "Hey, were were you seeking peace? Were you pursuing it?" When, you know, whatever situation happened and then you immediately thought, well, I want to go and blab to mommy about whatever. Um, So this is such a helpful tool. It's a great book, but beyond that, it is a tool in your parenting that if you feel like you are struggling with any issues of the tongue in your home. And I, I literally, I think she probably covered them all. I mean, there's like 20 chapters in here, all dealing with sins of the tongue. Um, But this would be such a helpful resource to you as you really just pray and ask God to help you know how to guide and correct your child in these sins of the tongue and how to train them to speak truth and to use their words for the glory of the Lord. So loved that book. Um, Let's see. The next one is Come Let Us Adore Him by Robert J. Morgan. So this was just kind of a fun book that I read for Christmas time wasn't necessarily a huge fan, but I am working on a project that required me to do some digging into some different hymns. And he's written um, two, I believe, I believe he has a volume one. I know he has volume one and two. I don't know if it goes beyond two, but it's um, Then Sings My Soul. And so it's all of these hymn history stories. So this one specifically, Come Let Us Adore Him, are the hymn history stories for some of the most beloved Christmas hymns. So it it was interesting. I enjoyed it. Um, Some of the stories were just like, wow, that is amazing. How did I not know this? And then other ones, a lot of these Christmas hymns are so old that we just don't know a ton about them. Um, So it was it wasn't one of my favorites this year, but it was good, and it helped me with my study for my project. So that was my main goal, and it was achieved. So the next book, Saving My Assassin. This was recommended to me by a dear friend. Um, if you, Actually, let me go ahead and put in a plug for her. So if you want good, solid, Bible-rooted book recommendations... Um, my friend Sarah, her Instagram name is Altogether Lovely. That's like her whole Instagram is built on book recommendations, book recommendations for adults, um, book recommendations for read-alouds with your kids. She has a little girl and always giving really good read-aloud. Um, if, if reading at all interests you, you want to follow Sarah, Altogether Lovely on Instagram. She's just such a wealth of information when it comes to book recommendations. But this was actually a book that she recommended. Saving My Assassin by Virginia Prodan. This book gets five stars. So in this book, Virginia Prodan shares her story and is such a powerful account of God's guiding hand in her life living through the evils of communism. So Virginia grew up in communist Romania, and it was really it was so hard for me to even begin to imagine 
just being blessed to live and be raised in the country that we are in. It was hard for me to grasp what life would have been like had I never experienced freedom or even like choice of thought. Even in some of these places, they try to control the very things that you think. And this is the world that Virginia grew up in. It's just crazy family stuff, horrible childhood. Um, But God orchestrated all of the details of her life to draw her to himself. And, you know, all through her life, she just wanted truth. And God ultimately brought her to his truth, the only truth. And so she was able to get saved, become a Christian, get involved in a secret underground church. And God used her as a lawyer to defend and to fight for Christians in Romania um, during the persecution of Nikolai Ceausescu, I believe is how you pronounce it. Um, But obviously that immediately put a target on her back as well as all those she loved. She herself and her family went through quite intense persecution, but God never failed to protect her and her family, even when death literally was knocking on her door when death stared her in the face god protected her in a miraculous way and i'm not going to spoil that story so you gotta listen to the book um but just the message of forgiveness and love you can only find in christ just it left me so challenged to be more passionate about taking a stand for truth no matter what the consequences are you know we've been so blessed to live in a land and in a generation where we haven't really had to suffer persecution for our faith. I don't know that that will always be the case, but whether I can proclaim the truth with no consequences or it comes at the very cost of my life, I hope that I am determined and committed to my faith as a lady like this who just says, you know what, come what may, I'm going to follow Christ to the bitter end. And this, it was just such a riveting story. Um, Really enjoyed that. So my next book is Even Exile. I actually read this earlier in the year and have already reviewed it on a podcast episode, but I loved the book the first time I read it. And since reading it, I've just heard different other women sharing bits and pieces from it and being like, this is an incredible book. And I was like, you know, it, it was incredible. I need to go back and read it again. So that's what I did. I went back and I read it for a second time and I'm so glad that I did. Because it is packed, I mean packed, with such strong truth. And it all, it the whole thing deals with the feminist movement and what its beginnings were. It kind of tracks the history of the feminist movement, how it began, where it led, um, kind of where it is now. And then it contrasts that with biblical womanhood outlined by God in his word. And she does such a masterful job. And I think one of the most interesting things that she brings out is so often in uh, frustration, I guess, with modern day feminism, we often think that like, if we could just go back to the perfect days of the 50s, where the woman, you know, just looked pretty in her cute little poodle skirt and, you know, had dinner and the children were all sitting nicely at the table and the husband, you know, we, we have that picture perfect, you know, 50s idea of what the family looked like. Um, but she even digs into the reality 
that, okay, right on the heels of the 50s came the complete anarchy of the 60s and 70s and then just on to where we are now, but realizing that everything couldn't have been perfect and just right, you know, toting the Bible line in the 50s if on the heels of that we had this complete reversal, complete you know, opposite of the 60s and 70s. So she delves into some of the issues, even brewing in the 50s, and then really just says, look, women today, if we're frustrated with feminism and where it's headed, and if we want to reclaim biblical femininity, we don't need to go back to what we see as the idyllic era. We need to completely start over and build from the ground up with our foundation being God's word. And and I loved it. And like I said, the whole first half of the book really delves into the history of feminism, um, helps you see the absolute selfishness that feminism is rooted in. And, and maybe you're listening to this and you are taking up issues with what I have to say. If you do, I'd be more than happy to talk to you and share more of my heart on this. But as you read some of the beginnings of feminism, and and even the author in here says, you know, I'm glad the women can vote. You know, in the 20s, a lot of the push for feminism and for women having more of a voice was because we wanted to abolish alcohol. And that is something that I would stand behind. I I would support. I don't want, you know, I, I don't want alcohol just being rampant and having no control. But um, I, I think the the point here that she brings out in studying the line, the, the historic women that influenced feminism, we see so much of this. Basically, they wanted to live their sexual lives in any way that they wanted to without the consequence of children. If you, if you follow the line, that's what it was. It's it's just, I want to have the freedom, and some of them, I'm just, this is how it was put, is I want to have the freedom that a man does. I want to be able to use my body in any way that I see fit and not have to be tied down to a consequence that might come out of that lifestyle. And we see that here we are with abortion. Um, you know, so much of that has brought us to where we are that we just, we want to disconnect from one of those key things that God designed us for. Um, so I want to read this quote um, that she shared in her book, kind of snippets of a longer portion. Um, but she's talking about um, taking this road to bulk against cultural feminism and to get back into accordance with God's word. But she says, I believe that if we women decided as a group to take that road, the road towards Uh, biblical womanhood. We would knock a serious dent in the side of our culture's rebellion. But the truth is, a movement of women doing this wouldn't be terribly exciting or sexy. It would involve a lot of women manning their own separate battle stations in their own lives, in their own families, in the day-to-day grind. It would involve disciplining ourselves in the small, seemingly inconsequential areas of our lives. What we admire, what we try to get good at, what we strive for, what we prioritize, what we love. It would involve faithfulness, obedience, and sacrifice. It wouldn't seem like much, but one thing that we know is that God loves to use the seemingly trivial things to accomplish staggering results. 
we may each feel like an insignificant little drop of water, and it may seem like the direction we take in our day-to-day lives doesn't make any difference to anyone. But when all the drops of water move the same way, what is more powerful than an unstoppable wave? And I just, I, I loved that thought that, okay, so yes, there's a problem with feminism today. Yes, my heart's desire is to pursue biblical women womanhood in the pattern that God laid out in the Bible. But, you know, how, how is that going to make a difference? How is that going to influence the culture? And I really think it's each one of us individually saying, God, I will obey. I will follow. I will prioritize what you prioritize. I will love what you love. And I will obey as you lead. And living that out in our day-to-day, in what God has given us, and then seeing what God can do with that. And so, anyway, that I could just go on and on and on about that book. But if you haven't read it, read it. It is great. So, um, next is Call of the Wild and Free by Ainsley Arment. Um, so, this is a, a, it's a really, it's a homeschooling book. Um, it was so good. Even if you're not a homeschooler, I'd recommend reading this book. The beginning portion of it talked a lot about why her family decided to be a homeschooling family. Um, just some of their own story about how she really just wanted to reclaim her kid's childhood and she wanted to give them the childhood that that she dreamed of for them and that she wanted to invest in their relationships and that she wanted to be very involved not only in their lives but in their education and so she talks a lot about that then she goes into a lot of the myths and and I did an episode talking about why we homeschool and I went into a lot of these myths um but just you know there's so many reasons why people say oh I can never homeschool or I you know homeschooling is a terrible idea or whatever but she does such a masterful job of really debunking these myths and be like they're they're not issues at all um then she transitions into different homeschooling styles how do you figure out what your style is creating a family culture and then she talks about the method of wild and free so the book is um the uh, the call of the wild and free but out of this really has kind of birthed its own homeschooling method of wild and free um and while I don't think I'm like totally, oh yes, I would say my method is wild and free, so much of the wild and free methodology really it wraps itself into the way we homeschool. Um, this may mean nothing to you, but in case you're interested, so I've, I've kind of shared before on some of those, we are very Charlotte Mason with a, like a sprinkling of unschooling, um, some wild and free in there as opposed to like a traditional school approach or, um, you know, there's just, there's all kinds. And I, and I talked about that in one of my episodes on, um, how to choose your homeschooling style or something like that. I can't remember exactly what I called it, but really the whole wild and freeway is kind of built on five pillars. So the importance of nature, of playing in nature, of being outside, all the benefits that come from getting your kids outside, um, using nature as a part of their classroom, um, of observing the world around them that God has created. And that is one area that we love. We love 
being outside and, and not just playing and enjoying and having fun, but also of really just embracing and observing and exploring the world around us and seeing God as creator and using those for learning opportunities. Um, she talks about the power of story. So read aloud is big here. Um, the the importance and the benefits and the um, just how it helps your child develop to fill their hearts and minds with good stories. Um, the importance of play, you know, especially in the younger years. I think so quickly in a very traditional school model, um, you know, our kids are confined to a desk for how many hours a day? And then they go home and they have 30 minutes to an hour before it's dinner and then homework all evening and then off to bed just to repeat the same thing. And, you know, little ones weren't really designed for that. They were designed to run and to be free and to to enjoy life. And so she talks about that, like I said, especially in those little years. Um, you know, there there is a time where you have to learn to sit still and receive instruction. Um, but in those little years, just giving the warning to be careful not to take that away from your child too early, to not take away the power that play has. Um, and then the other two are just the importance of curiosity, really fueling their curiosity, investing in that. You know, Simeon says all the time that one thing that his dad was really good at was answering his questions. And I know sometimes as the parent, you know, it's like, I don't want to answer any more questions. But realizing that it's an opportunity for us, they they are curious. They have a million questions. They want to know you know, why you get dirt under your fingernails and why it's bad to stick it in your mouth, you know, so it's just, it's opportunities, creating all of these learning opportunities really through everyday things and through things that aren't confined to five hours a day, eight hours a day, making your lifestyle a lifestyle of learning. And then the last one is just the magic of wonder. You know, I, I've, <laughs> my kids are five, three, and one, and they all are so full of wonder. Everything around them is just, wow. And so I, I love getting to lean into that and to embrace that with them. And almost me as a, um, you know, almost 30-year-old, living my life sometimes through the eyes of my children and glimpsing, this is amazing. Okay, okay, yes, this earthworm is gross, and I would not be touching it if it weren't for my kids, but they are completely enraptured with how cool this earthworm is and the fact that the rain brought them all to the surface. Why did it do that? Why does it have all these little lines and segments and where are its eyes? So that's just an example of what this embracing this kind of this lifestyle of learning, this just looking for learning opportunities everywhere, for getting outside of the box a little bit and embracing some of these different learning opportunities can do. And, and it has just been such a gift in our home. Um, again, especially in these little years as they're full of wonder, they're full of curiosity and play and stories um, and, and nature and really just embracing that to the fullest and not just embracing it on just an educational level, but really using all of that to guide my kids' hearts to God, to teach them who he is as creator and as designer. And, and I've said it before, but I'm going to go off on a rant again, that if God cared so much to be so specific about that nasty earthworm, like how much more does God have a purpose for your life? 
you know, Eden, Knox, Ivy, how much more does God want to use you that if he put that much thought and loving care into the earthworm, if he takes care of that earthworm, what does God want to do with you? And so that that's what our days look like. Literally, we are outside, we are exploring, we are reading stories, and we try to use all of that to bring it back to God. What does this teach us about God? What do we see about God? And how can we use that? has application in our own hearts and lives to make us more like him. And then the last book that I read for this year is Adorned by Nancy DeMoss Walgamuth. Um, I've read several different things by her, all great stuff. Um, but this one specifically dug into Titus 2, that whole command for the older women, the aged women, to invest into the younger women. And it's been something that I personally have been studying through. It's been something that I'm studying through with my Titus 2 mentor. You will hear more on this topic coming in the new year, so I won't take too much time on this book. But it was really good. I don't agree with Nancy on everything um, and on some of the conclusions that she comes to, and it is definitely not... KJV, um, and it, she uses a lot of different scripture versions, just throwing that out there in case that influences your book recommendations, um, but there was still a lot that I gleaned from it, a lot that has given me um, things to think through and to pray through and to study through on my own, so I have read an amazing lineup of books. I was going to try to give you my top five for the year, but I really don't think I can do that because... I have more than top five, like maybe top five for every quarter. But I've already taken up enough of your time, so I'm going to wrap up this episode. 2022, what are my reading goals? I'm challenging myself to read 50 books. Um, <laughs> I did it this year. We'll see if I can do it again next year. Um, I'm hoping that I can. And I, I already have a big lineup of books that are ready and waiting for me to jump into them in the new year. So I'm excited about that. And another part of my reading challenge is Simeon and I have together decided that we want to read one book per quarter together. Um, more than likely, it will be marriage family related. It might be something um, just kind of like a, like a deep dive into scripture type book. I've told him that I for sure am going to pick two and he can pick two. I tend to do a lot more of the researching and um, like book recommendations, building book lists and different things. So if he doesn't have two, I am ready to supplement with different recommendations that I have. But we're looking forward as a couple to digging in to that more and investing in our marriage and in our family and in our relationship with the Lord as we just try to glean from others who have sought out the scriptures and who have tried to emanate Christ-likeness in their own lives. So I hope this has been helpful. I hope it gives you some ideas of some books that maybe you would like to tackle in the new year. So I would love to hear what your reading goals are. Feel free to share that on your social media. Be sure to tag me um, on Instagram at nohighercalling underscore so that I can see that. I would love nothing more than to see Instagram just pop up with all of your reading goals or what you've read this year. Maybe share your favorite book and tag me in it. Um, I would love that. If you're not on social media, you can feel free to email me. I love to hear from you. I've actually been getting a lot more feedback recently from people, and that's been great. I try to respond to everybody that messages me. So you can email me at nohighercallingpodcast at gmail.com. And I just look forward to seeing what God has for us as we jump into a brand new year soon. So if you have ladies, have a great day. 
I hope that this episode has brought much glory to Christ, encouraged your heart, and strengthened you to be the wife and mother that God has created you to be. Thanks for listening.